Good morning. It's good be, good to be with you. If you have a copy of God's Word, please take it out and turn to James chapter 3, verse 13. James chapter 3. And you're in luck if you're here today and you do not have a copy of God's Word. Good news is we will have it on the screen here momentarily for you. Uh, just by way of, of, of reminder, um, and also just if you're new here so you know, we go, we were going verse by verse through the book of James, and we are in the end of the third chapter here in the book of James. So, Everybody doing okay out there? Good deal. Good deal. It's good to be with you. Let's go ahead and read God's word together. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show this, show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false about the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder of every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The topic here and the question that he asked at the very beginning of, of this section, James asked in verse 13 is, who is wise and understanding among you? So today the topic, and he gives it to us, is going to be wisdom. But when we think of wisdom, we have a very um, Eastern-influenced view of wisdom. In fact, our view of wisdom is oftentimes tainted by kung fu movies. You know what I mean. The kung fu movies where the, the, there's a guy who just can't get it together. He's, he just doesn't know. He's in, a, he's in a situation where he needs to learn how to fight. He needs to learn how to, to be a better person. So where does he go? He has to go climb some mountain and find the kung fu um, the, the, the kung fu guru, if you will, the kung fu master, and he goes to them, and he imparts wisdom to him. You know, he's got the Fu Manchu and everything, and he says, I will impart wisdom to you about this kind of thing. And that's what we think about wisdom. Or we think of, for those of you who are a little bit more nerdy, like myself, you think of Yoda in the Star Wars movies. You go to the Dagobah system, and you will find the little green guy, and he will tell you how to become a Jedi warrior. That's very Eastern. That's very much influenced by Eastern religion and Eastern thought, and that is what a lot of people think of as wisdom. Others will think of an, of an Indian guru, someone who will meditate and clear their mind and teach you to think of things, and he will tell you these 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 very wise statements and probably use some kind of avant-garde imagery as you're thinking about that. That, is a, that has influenced our culture in so many ways. You see it in movies. It's even in kids' movies like Kung Fu Panda. Or just, there's, there's some guru you go to who's going to impart some kind of wisdom to you. It's going to give you some kind of, some kind of thought that'll just it's so out there and it'll blow your mind. And you'll be enlightened to a different state. That is not biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom is not you looking for a guru or somebody who will enlighten you in a way that you have not seen before. Biblical wisdom is an understanding of God and his truth that leads you to action. See, most of the time, when we think of wisdom in, in the guru sense, we think of somebody who's just going to tell you some, some deep fact, and you're just going to go, wow, that blew my mind. 
if you come to the Bible, first off, the God of the Bible will blow your mind way more than somebody telling you something about how relationships work better, okay? Which is what it's boiled down to with most of the Eastern religion and how it's influenced our culture and self-help nature and all that kind of stuff. God of the Bible will blow your expectations because he's bigger, better than anything in this world. God of the Bible is holy, majestic, mighty, pure, unbelievable. And not only that, he is not just transcendent, high and lifted up, but he's come close to us and he became a person, a person with flesh and blood, but also the God-man to die on the cross for our sins that we might have life. First off, so, so this is way better than somebody telling you about, you know, telling you how to, to have a better relationship and how to, here's some, real, here's some real good facts that'll blow your mind about thinking about love. The God of the Bible, his truth is far, far outweighs that, first off. Secondly, I want you to see this, that biblical wisdom has a view not towards getting and obtaining facts, but a view towards obeying. So let me say it this way. Biblical wisdom is this, knowing the truth and understanding how to practice it. Knowing truth, knowing God, and then knowing how to live that out. And it fits perfectly with James. And James, James is very much a book that follows in the wisdom literature of Proverbs. And so much of James is connected, and you see little bits and pieces of Proverbs, even the way he speaks. And so he would obviously have known the Proverbs, and he grew up in a Jewish family, the same Jewish family as Jesus. Remember, he's the half-brother of Jesus, because he's the half-brother because God is Jesus' father and not Joseph. And so this is the half-brother of Jesus, so he would be well-known, well-acquainted with the Scriptures. And, and he really talks about something that we see throughout the Bible, that there are two types of wisdom. There's a so-called wisdom, air quotes, wisdom, okay? Like, you know, that, like, that was wise of you to do. Good job. Like, I lost some keys this week, and that was so-called wisdom. Look how smart I am, okay? Air quotes wisdom, if you will. So there's a so-called wisdom in the Scriptures, and there's a true wisdom that comes down from above. We see it in the book of Proverbs. And I got some, so we're going to, don't have to turn there, but we'll have some of these. Here's so-called wisdom in the Bible. This is Proverbs 14, 12. It's this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Let me read that again. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. This speaks directly against follow your heart. You know, that's kind of like the common wisdom of, of the age is you're just not happy. Oh, my gosh. You know what you need to do? Just follow your heart. Just, just, just if you're not happy, you just you reach out and you obtain that happiness for yourself. And just grab it. You just follow your heart to go where you think you should go. That is awful idea. That's an awful idea. Your heart is dark and wicked, and so is mine, apart from, apart from Christ. Follow your heart's awful, an awful advice. The book of Proverbs shows you there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. That seems right. Oh, wait. It's death. It's kind of like, you ever seen that show, Let's Make a Deal? where you're, they got the three choices. The guy has $1,000 in his pocket and he can take home. But the, the lure of these other ways are so enticing to him. And so it's like, I'll take door number two. And then door number one, there was a car. Door number three, there was a vacation. And door number two is a moped. 
okay? And you're like, not even like a good one, though. It's like a moped pulled by a donkey, all right? I mean, that's what it would be in there. And that is how, that's, that's, man's, that's man's conception of how to live life. That's so-called wisdom. It leads down to death. The book of Proverbs sees it. James is going to see it, and we're going to uh, unpack that in a minute. Here's another thing, Proverbs 26, 12. This is also so-called, air quotes, wisdom. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? You ever met somebody who thinks that they're very wise? Most of the time, people who think that they are wise are quite foolish. Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes, in his own estimation? I'm very wise. There is more hope for a fool than for him, because at least a fool can deal with the reality of the situation, okay? The book of Proverbs hits that there is a type of so-called wisdom, a way that man thinks is right, a way that is earthly, and as James would talk about it, is really unspiritual and demonic. There is a so-called wisdom, but it leads to destruction. It's a Bible idea that James is going to pick up. Secondly, there's this wisdom from above, the wisdom that comes from God that's also seen in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 2.6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. There is a way that seems right to a man, and that way it goes to death. But if you're searching out for true wisdom, don't look within yourself. Don't look within your heart. That is a bad place to look. The place to look for wisdom is from the Lord. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth, and from his mouth comes wisdom, or comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 9 10, and this is huge. If you want to know wisdom, the wisdom is not about finding you a guru or finding somebody who has some wise statements or some statements that sound um, very eloquent or very, very um, novel to you. Here is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. I want to prove to you something here. In the Bible, there is a so-called wisdom. And then there is, and that is the way it's of, of the earth. It's from mankind's heart that's desperately wicked. And that way leads to death. But there is a true wisdom that's from above, and it begins with God. It comes from God as its origin and source. And it moves out in obedience and action. And it leads towards, li- towards life and true insight and wisdom into who God is and how to obey him. And so this is important. James, in this passage, is going to pick up on these ideas that are in the Proverbs but also, but put it, and, and put them now under the inspiration of the Spirit and, and apply them to these, this church that's, and these church people, these believers in Jesus who are scattered all over the place because of persecution. And he's going to speak to them about how to live with a wisdom that is from above and not an earthly wisdom. Because we are easily deceived. We are easily deceived. And so the call today is to see, and he's going to compare and contrast two things. He's going to compare and contrast so-called wisdom with wisdom from above. In so doing, he is trying to make the wisdom from above appealing to those who know God and and make wisdom, that so-called wisdom, seem so noxious to the people of God so that we won't walk in that. 
So here's what we're going to do. Good old-fashioned compare and contrast today. You guys are getting a little, little school if you remember that. So here's what we're going to have. We're going to compare and contrast so-called wisdom with wisdom from above. Okay, so if you're taking notes or whatever, you can kind of see. This is the major way we're going to lay out this message this morning. You're going to see this. What is so-called wisdom? What's it characterized by? What's its source? And what's its product? And then the other side, we're going to talk about wisdom from above. What is it characterized by? What is its source? And what is its product? Now, if you would, look in verse Look in verse 13 of James. It says this. Remember, he asked the question, and this is what started our discussion about wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? He asked this question. And then he says, now, show this. And James is all about this. You say you got faith? Show me your faith by your works. Well, works don't save us. Faith in Jesus does, but what happens when you have saving faith, saving faith works. It, make, it manifests itself in good things. And so he says this, how, who's wise and who's understanding? How can you show your wisdom? How can you show that you're a wise person? It's by this. It's not by telling people you're wise or walking around in a robe or quoting, you know, quoting great philosophers. That's not how you prove wisdom. How do you prove wisdom according to James? It's in verse 13. He says this, by his good conduct... Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So first off, if you want to show that you're really wise, it's not by going around and quoting a bunch of ancient philosophers or even, even necessarily quoting Scripture. There's a ton of people who can quote Scripture. You know that, right? Who are not godly. There's a ton of people who know a whole lot about They know all the Bible stories. Sadly, there, we just had a discussion about this today. There's so many kids that grow up in church and know all the stories and have been in youth group and have been in, gone and through vacation Bible school, and by the time they get to 18, 19, 20, still don't know the Lord, and they go run amok wherever they are, and they go flee far from him. But if you ask them who, what, to name one of King David's sons, they'd be like, Solomon, of course. Well, can you, can you quote to me John 3, 16? Absolutely, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you believe that? Oh, of course not. <laughs> I, I prefer to party over Jesus, okay? So, see, I'll, I'll, I'll be back to the church when I'm like, you know, over my party face, okay? That, you see that over and over again. That person has knowledge, but they don't have wisdom, and so how does James say, show me that you have wisdom? Who is wise and understanding? Someone raises their hand, oh, I'm obviously wise. Do you know how much I know? And he's saying, no, how much do you do? How do you do this? How do you show your wise? By your good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So not only you, if you want to show your wise, you, you act out your wisdom in life. And you do that in such a way, you do it with meekness and wisdom. Meekness, I would bear, dare venture to say that most of you have not used that word this week. It's been on the forefront of my mind this week because I was going to teach about it this week, but I don't often think about meekness. Jesus is described as being meek. Jesus says, blessed are the meek in the Sermon on the Mount. What is meekness? Meekness is a characteristic that, that to the Romans and to the people of this age that James is writing to would have been really an unflattering thing to call somebody, especially a man. Meekness has the idea even of gentleness. <laughs> There's a lot of ways you could describe me. But if someone said, he's just a really gentle guy, that would probably bother me. 
you know? Most of you, when you're shaking a, a, a man's hand, okay? Now, this is an overgeneralization, okay? I don't think that at all. Okay, if that's you, fine, all right? But most of the time, when you shake somebody's hand, a man's hand, what do you expect? You expect to see rough and the firm grip. And if you get, you, ooh, your hands are very gentle. Oh, that's smooth. That's not what you're thinking. And so to describe Jesus in this, describe someone as meek is, is a hard, it's a hard way to describe. It just seems it's 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 not just foreign to James's readers, but it's foreign to us to think of that as a characteristic that you should exercise your faith with meekness. However, meekness doesn't mean weakness, okay? Because it would if it meant weakness, they would they have a word for that and they would have used that word. Meekness is this. It's someone who understands who their master is. It's someone who is under the control of another. And you say, well, how does that apply to Jesus, the Father? God the Son was in submission to God the Father fully. He pleased him to do the will of his Father. Jesus described as meek, the most powerful God-man who ever lived. He could speak and calm a sea talking to Judson about that story the other day, and they just, he just really blew his mind. He was like, I mean, they, Jesus was sleeping during the storm on the water? Yeah, and he got up, and he was tired of it, and he's like, stop it! And it stopped. I can't make my dog come back inside half the time. And he says, Speak, be still! Oh, calm comes. He was the Lord in the flesh. He still is Lord. And so that... That being described here, it's not a bad thing to be described as meek, but it's someone who understands who they are and who they're in submission to. It's a strength under submission. And there is nothing greater for us to be people under submission, not to the government, not to even, not to our sin, not to ourself, but under submission to the Lord. And so if you want to show true wisdom, true wisdom should be manifest in works, works done in meekness. We're going to come back to that idea. Just wanted you to hit that here because he's going to come back and discuss wisdom from above. And wisdom from above begins with weakness. But he goes on before he finishes off this discussion and the compare and contrast with with so-called wisdom and wisdom from above. He shows us how dangerous and how debilitating it is to to have so-called wisdom and to think that you're wise. And so we see in verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, which both of these are kind of the opposite of meekness, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. So he says, he's basically saying this, if you have jealousy and selfish ambition in your life, do not claim to be wise because you're deceiving yourself. Now, wisdom from above is first and foremost characterized by these two things, jealousy and selfish ambition. Now, you're thinking, some may be thinking, I'm not jealous. I don't have selfish ambition. Well, good. Maybe you are. (laughs) Maybe you have wisdom from above. But selfish ambition and jealousy are dangerous, and they could sneak in so quickly. And remember, he is writing to believers in Jesus. And so he is, he is saying this to people in a church, okay? Maybe not all of them are believers, because believe it or not, not everybody who comes to church is a believer. 
Now, hopefully they hear the gospel and will become one. That, that's, the, that's the goal, okay? That's the aim is to know and to be a submission to him. But that's not always the case. And so there's some who are claiming to be wise. They might even be teachers, okay? Remember he gave in James 3, 1, he talks about, hey, you be, be careful about being a teacher because you're going to receive a stricter judgment, okay? So there, it could be talking about teachers, but it could be talking about people who exercise their faith in a way that they're doing it from selfish ambition and jealousy. Now, how... How could, how could selfish ambition and jealousy be seen in the church? Well, it could be seen quite, clear, quite clearly sometimes. For example, let me give you some examples just so you can say I'm not blowing smoke at you, okay? For example, you see somebody who gets to serve in a place that you wanted to serve, and you get your feelings hurt a little bit. And you start getting, and you might have actually been treated unfairly because that's it's possible to be treated unfairly, okay? Sin of partiality. But just take a second. That, that time when that when that feeling wells up in you of being wronged, hit the brakes for a second and ask this question: Am I just upset that I am not the one in the spotlight? I know this is as growing up, and I had God put a calling on my life to be a pastor about the age of 14. And, you know, as that calling, you think when you're 14, you're thinking like, man, I'm ready to preach. That pastor needs to get off on stage. I'm ready to preach. And like, I'm 14 and an idiot. Okay? Like, for, like you know your Bible first before you preach to somebody. Okay, I should learn that. Okay? But I, I, had this, I had this mentor in the faith. He was one of my pastors growing up. I love this man to death. Still call him today if, if I have a problem or don't know what I'm doing, which is a lot of the time I call him, help me. Uh, he's a great guy. And he told me, he said, until you are ready to take out the trash first, you're not ready to preach. And I watched this man. He would always take out the trash at the end of like a big get-together. You know, when the church is eating, he wouldn't sit at the front. He would go to the back. I also would watch this man, and he, would ne- he, he, he always, at, this, at, the, at the fellowships and the potlucks and everything, he took that dangerous position at the end of the line. You know why that's dangerous at those potluck fellowships? Because the good food goes first. Listen, if your stuff didn't get taken last time we had one, I'm not calling your stuff bad, okay? I'm really not, because some of you are thinking, like, I hate that guy, okay? <laughs> Find another reason than that. I'm not trying to offend you, okay? But you get to that point, and I just remember him all the time just telling me that, and I follow his lead, and I saw that because he did not, this was a man that I saw in him a true wisdom from above. He did not desire another person's position of prominence. He had this meekness that he knew that he was underneath the, his Lord and Master and that he would serve wherever it was necessary. And I'm sure he struggled with stuff before, with maybe even pride and maybe even jealousy and selfish ambition. I didn't see that in him. I just want you to see that that is a wisdom. He, he possessed a wisdom from above that was exampled to me in his behavior and the meekness. But there is another way that looks and sees a place of service even as a place of jealousy to see that this person's being this person gets this promise. I deserve that. Do you not know how wise I am? I didn't get that teaching position. Do you not understand who you're dealing with here? Do you not understand how many how much of the Bible I've read this week? Do you not understand that? There is a a way that you could use spirituality to just further your selfish ambition and jealousy. You realize that. People do it all the time. 
then it's a danger for anybody who takes a teaching position, including myself and any of our elders and elders and pastors throughout the land. But it's also true of us in the church. Well, I didn't get asked to do this. I didn't get asked to do that. I would, they didn't consult me about this. Da, 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 da. It goes on and on and on. And we have to ask ourselves the question. It's possible you could be being treated unfairly. If that's the case, that is not what should happen in the church. James already discussed that. That is a sin. Impartiality in the church is sin. However, it could just be that you are believing, even just for a moment, wisdom that is earthly, so-called wisdom. Because so-called wisdom is characterized by jealousy, seeing other people, what they have, and not glorying in it. Remember, we are supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep, for the, weep with those who weep. That's what it means to be in the body of Christ. Instead of rejoicing for that person's gift and what God has given them, sometimes we become jealous. God, why didn't you give me that? Why don't I have that position yet, God? Why? Look at them. Do you know what they do? You know what I do? That's deception, self-deception, and it's not being honest. Selfish ambition and jealousy are dangerous things, and they are characteristics that you have wisdom that is from the earth and not from above. And so we must be careful of these. They raise their head. They can hurt the church. They can hurt our, our witness. They can hurt our fellowship. Do you realize something? That this, is a, that, that this building may be falling apart around us, but God is building this church stronger daily. But selfish ambition and jealousy on my part or your part could be a satanic tool to destroy what God is building. And we must take every thought, every, every motive, every inclination captive to Christ and bring it under his lordship and in meekness serve one another and serve those around us. We are, we are to be this embassy for the kingdom of God in a dark and dying place. And I'm not just saying that about, I'm not making a comment about Charles County. I'm talking about the world as a dark and dying place. And we must be lights, city set upon hill to glorify God. And selfish ambition and jealousy will get in that way. Because what is at the core of jealousy and selfish ambition? Self. I want to be promoted. I have, jealousy has the idea of zeal for yourself. So when you see somebody else, like, you don't get excited, like, look what God's doing in their life. Look at how they're serving. Look at this, what's going on. Look at the position they've attained. Look at this. What you're saying is, look at what they did. How about me? Who's at the center? Ourselves. Secondly, what is selfish ambition? I want to promote myself at the center of so-called wisdom is self. And if our first thought is ourself, we have problems and we are not going after wisdom that is from above, but so-called wisdom. Now, here's the beauty of this. Maybe not the beauty, but some good news. It's not likely that you are in one camp or the other all the time. Like, it's not likely that you're in the so-called the so-called wisdom place, and then the wisdom from above place. On, you're not, it's not likely that you're on one side or the other. Usually it's a spectrum, and usually it could be from day to day. 
Like one day you wake up and you are just deciding and, and your spirit is beat down and, and you're in this place where you're not walking with God's spirit. And what happens? You become a selfish, I know this from, I'm projecting, okay, maybe this isn't you. You become this selfish person who their life is all about them. And you have jealousy, and you have selfish ambition, and you are acting out of wisdom, and uh, there is a way that seems right to you, and that's the way you're going, even though it ends in death. But there's some days where you wake up, and you're walking with the Lord, and you see, like, yes, I am walking with the wisdom that's from above, I'm not doing it perfectly, but I'm doing it. I'm doing it now. I'm trying to seek after you, Lord. I'm trying to walk in meekness. I'm trying not to think of myself. I'm trying to think how I can serve. Here's the beauty of this. You're not usually, if you're in Christ, you're not usually over here all the time. If you're over here in so-called wisdom all the time, and selfish, selfish ambition and jealousy is your heart, you might not be saved. Because those who have been made new, we're going to fight between this spectrum all the time. We'll walk in wisdom for a while, and then we'll have a day we're like this. But you know what we keep coming back to? This is beauty. This is the beauty of the gospel. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First John 1, 9, yes, Lord, we need it. There is this way that leads to death. It's selfish ambition and jealousy. If, if he says this in verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. If you are struggling with selfish ambition and pride, don't boast and say that you are wise. Repent and say that you need grace. And God supplies it because he is faithful and just and he has given us his promises. So we see that wisdom that's earthly is characterized by jealousy and selfish ambition. Second, let's see its source in verse 15. James says, this is not wisdom that comes down from above. Remember, James is talking about this. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. God is the giver of, of good gifts. In fact, James also would say, earlier in the book, he would say what about wisdom? If you ask for it, he will give it liberally. So wisdom has its source in God, and it comes down to us. Remember this, because our culture wants to tell you this all the time. Wisdom is not found in you or your feelings or desires. Quite honestly, your desires and feelings will usually lead you astray, but it's truth and wisdom that's from above and the work of the Spirit in your life that will make you want to obey. You hear me? Following your heart. Being, having everything judged by your desires is dangerous and deadly. It really is. It's weak in my house. Stomach bug hit hard by the grace of God. And I prayed every day, Lord, spare me from this so that I might bring garbage cans where necessary and Lysol where it needs to be. So it, the Lord answering my cr- and I'm not going, like, some of you are like, where is he going with this? It's not going to be somewhere bad, okay? I promise you. But I just remember that there, are, I woke up one morning at 3.15 and Judson was watching TV and Amy was like, she let it happen because she felt so bad. And I got up just angry, like, what are you doing? You should have looked at her. You should have called me. I ought to come in here and I ought to have helped you. And why are you watching TV at 3.15? Mom said I could. Get in the bed. I mean, I was in an awful mood at 3.15 in the morning. I did not feel very loving at that point. But did I need to go on and persist in trying to love? Absolutely. How 
how can I get up here and preach to you if I wasn't willing to humble myself and to bring the buckets where they needed to go and clean what I needed to clean? That would have been ridiculous. And I failed that point. Absolutely, I failed that night. I was hacked. But you don't, you don't, you don't give up there. You don't let that, that rule. See, this is not wisdom that comes down from above. Wisdom that comes down is not selfish in nature. It's not wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly. And so here's the description of its origin. It's earthly. Not necessarily meaning like, like earthly as earthly is described as not just, it's just it comes from this place of not that the earth is wrong in the sense of like the trees and and the created order. Not that is not the problem, but the Bible describes things this way that things that are from the earth come from man and the, the world system. And there is a prevailing amount of thought. Like just what I was talking about over here, that you've if you're not feeling it, then don't do it. Because you've got to follow your heart. That's the modern conception of wisdom. But love and the conception of wisdom the Bible is no sacrifice. You may not be feeling it, but you persist because you know what is right and you know the God. You, you persist in doing good until your feelings catch up with you. That's, that's biblical wisdom, to knowing that your heart is deadly deceit, deceitful and your desires are too. And that's why it's earthly. It comes from this common knowledge, this, this, this kind of prevailing sense of our culture. That's what it means. So that wisdom, so-called wisdom, is earthly. It has its origins amongst people who are bound for destruction. Secondly, we see that the origin of so-called wisdom is unspiritual. And Paul will talk about that, that which is of the spirit is spirit, and that which of the flesh is flesh. Here's the idea, that, that wisdom that is from so-called wisdom that is earthly, it comes from the pooled knowledge of people without the redemptive power of Christ there. It's also something that is not spiritual. It is not something that comes from the spirit. It's not something that, that has been divinely given. The third thing it says, it's also this, so-called wisdom is demonic, it comes from the realm of the demon. It's not just bad advice to follow your heart or to be selfish and jealous. It's not bad to follow the so-called wisdom of the age and the prevailing sense of the age. It's not just a bad idea. It's demonic in its nature, and it is from Satan. Satan does not want a bunch of meek Christians filling a church. Because a bunch of meek Christians in the church would be a group of people who radically loved Jesus and one another and radically lived under submission to him and not their desires, who radically turn from sin to him regularly, who radically come to him not thinking that they are wise, but knowing that true wisdom comes from above. It would be a group of people who seek to serve one another instead of having the place of prominence. It would be a group of people who seek for the good of the church and the glory of Christ rather than their own glory and their own place of prominence. Those things so-called wisdom leads to the exaltation of the person and the selfish 
selfish ambition of that, and we can understand why that the origin of so-called wisdom is it's demonic in nature because the demons do not want us to live in submission to Christ and in service to one another because it is when we live in submission to Christ and service to one another in love that the church speaks so loudly, even in our poor state. You hear that? The church speaks so loudly when we love and serve Christ and live in submission to Him. And we're so different than the rest of the world when we reject the, I, the, the me culture and the demonic culture that lives for self-exaltation. So we come to this place of meekness. So we see that so-called wisdom, the characteristics of it are jealousy and selfish ambition. We also see this origin is from the earth, it's unspiritual, and is demonic in nature. Verse 16 says this, For where jealousy, and we can see its product in verse 16, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder of every vile practice. So his idea here in verse 16 is that jealousy and selfish ambition, where they are, they will produce disorder in the church, and every vile practice. You ever been in one of those situations where there were too many chefs in the kitchen? You ever done that? Like we have a, we, our kitchen is is is, 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 is it's nice size, but it's kind of small. If me and Amy are in there cooking, we're hitting all over each other, okay? And a fight may ensue. You get four people in there, okay? And for some, and like the way that our house is built is like where you come, like the, the only like walkway up to any door <laughs> is like come in our little kitchen. It's hilarious, you know? So when people come in, a lot of times we end up like seven of us talking in this little tiny room, just that small. You've seen that place where not a, like too many chefs spoil the pot. I want you to see this very, very clearly. If in church, every one of us wants to take the position of leadership, it will be a mess. Go see a lot of other places, okay? It really will be. If everybody's trying to, I, now this is my thing. I'm passionate about that. And I can't see your thing because this is the way I want to be prominent. I want to be the leader here. I want to carry the flag. I want to do this. I'm me, 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 me. Imagine the disorder that would be this place. Instead of a submission to Christ and his will and to the elders he put in place here. Do you see how much of a mess that would be? That's just one of many examples of how selfish ambition and jealousy can produce disorder. Many of you have children. Buy one toy. I got this for all of you, all four of you. See if selfish ambition and jealousy rear its ugly head, right? And what will happen out of that? They're playing with it longer than I am. No, no. Before you know, if you left it unattended, axes may come out and there will be blood on the ground. Selfish ambition and jealousy can lead to all sorts of disorder in every vile thing. Next week when we look in chapter 4, you'll see that too. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Because you, ha you, you want and don't have. Desires run amok. Selfish ambition. Self at the center is, is so-called wisdom. 
And it can produce disorder in every vile practice. That cannot be. We have to continually come to the Lord. Come ask him for wisdom. Come say, Lord, take all the selfishness in me, the jealousy in me. Lord, help me to crucify that by your word, by your spirit. Help me to move out of so-called wisdom into wisdom that is from above. And thank the Lord that we see how nasty so-called wisdom is and where it leads and what it produces and where it comes from. It comes from the earth. It comes from ourselves, our sinful selves. It comes from the demonic. But here is the good news. There is a wisdom that is coming down from above, a wisdom that makes wise, a wisdom that is from God. And we can possess this godly wisdom through the power of the Spirit of God, hearing His Word. And it is so good. So what is the character? First off, we looked in verse 13. The characterization of wisdom that's from above is meekness. It's submission. It's the opposite of pride and selfish ambition. It is not thinking about the self, but you're thinking about Christ and other people. What are the two great commandments? You know those. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's at the core here. It is a meekness, a submission to God and his authority that manifests itself in good works that are not selfish and for done for gain, but they're done for the glory of Christ and the love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we see that here, but wisdom that is from above it coming down as its source here, so we see it's characterized by meekness and purity, which we're going to discuss in purity in a minute. We also see the source here. The source of wisdom from, from above is God. He gives us wisdom. This is so, this is the amazing thing about us walking in faith in Christ. We are odd people. Not just, not just because we all have all our eccentricities, okay? We all do. No, it's because we have in us the Spirit of God that makes us strange. And we also have this wisdom from above that is the opposite of what the world says. Think about our selfie culture for a minute, if you will. You know what I'm talking about. How many selfies do you see on social media day by day? Okay? Whether, whether if, you're, if you're young and you're using Snapchat or you're old like, like I am and you're using Facebook or, you know, whatever, if you go and look, or even if you just got a phone and someone sends you a picture, usually it's this. What is it? Right? And even like, and I don't know if you've ever, ever noticed this before, some people will talk, like put a Bible verse on the, on the bottom of it and be like, look how humble I am. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Ha! Huh? Okay. Mm, okay. All right. Go ahead. That's what you want to do. It's real. <laughs> and I'm probably going to do that this week, and you'll be like, hypocrite, okay? And probably so. I'll repent. You just let me know, okay? Call me out and sin. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll repent. So here is the idea. You think about our selfish culture. Me, 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 me. I'm at the center of it. And that is the opposite of wisdom from above. It doesn't find its source from wisdom from this age. and does not see it selfish. It is from above and its meekness, submission to Christ, and it, it it's finds at its source. See, in this culture, of this me culture of selfie culture, we're these people that are so weird because we are walking and attempting to walk in wisdom and humility and meekness. That makes us weird, freakish, if you will, for the rest of the world. It really does make us freakish. I think it's a beautiful freakishness. I know that sounds weird to say, but that's what the gospel makes us just so, we're just aliens here, but it's this aroma of Christ. To some, it's a beautiful smell. To others, it's the stench of death. 
And this is the wisdom. We walk with a wisdom from above. We can walk through the Spirit and God's Word with a wisdom that we are, we are trying to be in submission to Christ. So then here is what it produces. If you're wondering whether or not you're walking in wisdom, you know, think about weakness and, or meekness. And also, just, just are, you, are you walking in jealousy and selfish ambition? We are. That's obviously not the case. And then think about this in verse 17 and 18. He talks about the ramifications. And it says, but the wisdom that's from above, it's pure. It has its source in God. And it comes from him to us. It makes us so freakishly beautiful. Then it makes us this. It, makes, it says from above, it's first pure. So there's a purity to it. It means it's not stained. There's a wisdom that's not seeking after its own or seeking out of some, seeking to do good things or seeking to live righteously for some type of gain. You're at the purity of this place where you're seeking to honor God and love other people. That is the core of wisdom from above. And then it goes on to say that this, it says, then it's first pure, then it's peaceable. It seeks to make peace. If you like to stir things up, you are walking with wisdom that is so-called wisdom. That is demonic wisdom. That is earthly wisdom. If you like to live in drama, if you like that, that floats your boat. That is not wisdom from above. That is not of the spirit. That is of the demonic. And drama, even how small it is, can hurt a church and hurt a spiritual life. So save the drama for your mama, okay? Just get out of that, all right? It's peaceable. It seeks to make peace. It does not seek to make strife. Not only that, wisdom from above, it's gentle, which means that it's not coming in hot all the time, that it's not coming in harsh, that it tries to seek, you know, a place. And God, but thankful, I think we have a spirit of gentleness here at this church. If you walk in, no matter where you are, what you've been through, you could come on in. And I love that, and I hope we don't ever lose that, because that's, that's a place where you're gentle with people. You're gentle with those who have doubts. You're gentle with those who struggle. You're gentle with those who are in need. Not only that, open to reason. This has the idea that you are willing to have your mind changed by sound reasoning. This is not related to doctrine, okay? It is not good for a church to be squishy and on doctrine, to be, to be weak on doctrine. This is not what it's talking about. But in areas that are not black and white, there is, a, there is a, a, an area there in which you will not see gray areas or areas that aren't, aren't needed to be black and white. You have to have an opinion on them. Like, for example, what biblical translation to use? Just want you to know this. The original languages of the Bible are Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic, and Greek. There is not a one English translation that is right. Well, there are many people that will tell you. There are some that are better than others. Yes, there are. But there will be some that tell you, if you're using this translation, you're not getting the real word of God. That is called hogwash. That is just ridiculous and uneducated and wrong. Okay? And it hurts people for no reason. There's other things, not just that, but... I tell you, when I was 16, 17, probably into my 20s, everything to my life was black or white. <laughs> then I worked in the church for a while and realized that there are some things that are black and white, like the gospel, 
the character of God, the, the deity of Jesus, the substitutionary death of Jesus, the, the, the infallibility and the truthfulness of the Bible. You can't for a second think it has any error in it because it doesn't. It's true. It's perfect. But there are some like what te- sports teams you like or what, what programs to do in the church or what ways to do Bible study. Those are gray. And wisdom that's from above knows what, they know what hills to die on and what to, to, to look at sound reason and say, this doesn't work for our context. It's not ungodly, unbiblical, or sin. So we can actually move in these different directions. I want you to know that wisdom from above is open to reason. It's open to be reasonable. It's open, it's open to change your mind. Not on doctrine, I hope you understand that, but on other areas that are just, you know, for example, like, you know, style of music or what Bible translation to use or, well, they do this program over here. Why don't we do that? I don't know. This doesn't work here. It's not what we're going to do. But if you, make good, if you make a good case for it, maybe we will. That is wisdom from above. It's open to reasonableness. Not always, no, it's my way of the highway, my way of the highway, my way of the highway. First off, that shows <laughs> a ton of selfish ambition. And jealousy, right? No, it's got to be my way. And it shows also that we are not following the Lord. We're not open to reason. It goes on and says, it goes on, and th- here's some more fruits of walking with above. It says you're full of mercy and good fruits. <laughs> you ever been to the place, you might have been here before, I've been there before, not to throw shade at anybody, but I've been to this place before where you've been kind of afraid to invite somebody to uh, a get-together or maybe even a church fellowship because you don't know how people are going to act. That's a sad state. I've not done that here and don't plan to because of the love that has existed here and continues to hopefully through the work of God's Spirit rooting out sin in our lives. But you've been that place where you just didn't know if people were going to be mean to you. And especially, uh, there's, there's this interesting fact, like, you would think that as you, and this is, should be the case, as you get older in your faith, and as you progress in it, and as you get older in your faith, you'll get older in your age, that you should be a more gentle, loving, more person who's conformed to the Spirit. But sometimes that's not the case, and you walk into a place, and those people who should be really conformed to the Spirit, who've been believers for, so long, for such a long time, they are not that conformed to the Spirit, and they're not full of, of mercy at all. Because if anybody's a little bit different, like, oh, okay, that person shouldn't be in here. How about a little mercy? Wisdom from above shows the character of God, and God's character is mercy. He loves, he's just and holy, yes, but he also is full of mercy. And he also says that there are, should, that we should be full of good work or good fruits, good things coming out of our life. This also, if you want to know, this, this really looks like Galatians 5 and the fruit of the Spirit. A lot of similarities there. We also see this. It says it's all impartial, which means it's not showing impartiality, but it's, it's not treating people unfairly, and it's sincere, which means not hypocritical. A lot of times, people try to put on religious identity or religious airs or good works to try to seem wise so that other people will think they're holy, but that's actually not the case. Wisdom that's from above cares little how people perceive you and cares a lot about how actually your standing is before God. And that, that, is, that is a beautiful thing that wisdom from above cares about how you look before God, not others. 
Finally, in verse 18, as we see the byproduct of what is wisdom from above is this. It's a harvest of right. It says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So here is the idea of this verse. There is this huge, just like we go, let's look, let's look again. Just think back on this. Selfish ambition and jealousy produces disorder and all sorts of evil. Remember, think back to your kids, give them one toy, and see if jealousy and selfish ambition creates order in your house. No, disorder and all sorts of sin. But the wisdom that's from above, it's gentle, it's meek, it's pure, it's fallen after the Spirit of God, it produces a harvest, a plentiful harvest of righteousness, good things, and it is produced by those who make peace. There is a great emphasis in this passage on the fact that people who walk in wisdom that is from above, not seeking themselves as the goal, but seeking submission to God and love for one another, that they will produce all sorts, that they seek that peace in the church, that they will produce all sorts of righteousness. And so the call is for us to be just like Jesus, for us to be peacemakers, us to walk in wisdom. So here's, Here's one thing. If it's a good test, is your life filled with righteousness and peace? That is a test to show if, it, if you are walking wisdom that is from above or so-called wisdom that is from the earth. It is imperative that we walk in wisdom. It's also if today you're thinking, man, I got a long way to go. Here's the good news of grace. If you ask for wisdom... James is saying, he will give it to you bountifully. He won't hold back on you. It's not like when your kid asks for ice cream at 10, you're like, no. If you ask for wisdom any time of day or night, he's going to be like, here you go. Let me give you truckloads of it. I won't keep you up at night. It'll make you peaceful. It'll make your church peaceful. Let me just pile it on you, son. That is a beautiful thing. And every good and perfect gift, including wisdom, comes down from our Father. So will we live by wisdom from above or so-called wisdom that may seem right and may fit our desires, but will lead to destruction? Or will we seek peace and the righteousness that comes with wisdom from above? Ask and you shall receive. So let's do this. Let's ask together. Then we'll receive the elements of communion. God, we come. And I pray from my heart that I would be filled not with selfish ambition and jealousy, but I would be filled with the Spirit and wisdom from above. And I know I fail in so many ways, and so I ask for wisdom from above. And you said you'd give it liberally. Secondly, Lord, I pray for our folks here and those visiting with us today as our guests. I pray, God, that you will bless them and that they would walk in wisdom from above, God, and they would ask you and you would give them wisdom from above and you'd lavish it upon them. And God, make this not a place full of jealousy and selfish ambition. Make this a place where your wisdom is seen in each of our lives, God, a place of peace, a place of purity. God, bless this church, I pray, not for our glory and good, but for yours. Make us a place filled with meek people under the submission of Christ. And Lord, please, please lavish your wisdom upon us. And we trust that every good and perfect gift comes from above. And we pray this in the name above every name. Jesus, amen.